Hey guys, welcome to episode 7 of the 2B Fit Podcast, at least I think it's episode 7. Uh, today I'm joined with a lady all the way from Colorado, America, Shana Tracy. Um, we're going to discuss things like contest prep, um, disordered eating, and also we're going to look at this week's MNU sort of uh, module. So Shana, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thank you for asking. For people that are listening, if you don't mind just giving us a an introduction, please. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like you said, I'm from Colorado in the United States. Um, my background is mostly business and healthcare. That's where my education and my work experience is. Right now, I am doing online health coaching. Um, I am also uh, studying at MNU with you, as you know, and uh, I'm a mom to two amazing teenagers. I'm a wife, and I'm also in the middle of my very first contest prep. Beautiful introduction, and I love the voice. You're our first American on the show. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So, um, right, what kind of got you into this kind of industry? Yeah, so that is a great question. And, um, you know, I would say, Anne, that I am truly the poster child for my mess is my message because if I could have done it wrong, if I could have treated my body badly in any way, I found the way to do it. Um, you know, from body dysmorphia to eating disorders to being very overweight to finally coming full circle and finding my place and what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, I think when I met my own coach, Corey Robb, is when my life changed. It's very cliche, but he truly did change my life and he changed the trajectory of the path of my life because he taught me how to eat, how to treat my body, how to look at my body, and to no longer see food as the enemy. Beautiful. Um... So well done there, Corey. Um, I think we should give him a shout out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so when was this kind of, when did this all start really? Was it from a very earlier age? We're getting yeah. in deep, we're getting in deep and thick here straight away. No, let's do it. Let's <laughs> yeah, do it. yeah. So when, um, did, yeah, when did this kind of all kick off? Yeah. So, you know, I think if I were to be honest, I always thought of myself as a chubby kid all through school. Now looking back, I certainly was not. Um, but that's how I always saw myself. And when I got to college is when it got quite bad and I developed a very serious eating disorder. I had bulimorexia, which is anorexia along with bulimia. So I never ate. And if I did eat, I would purge. Um, and it had very serious consequences on myself. I got extremely thin, very, very um, dangerously thin, uh, hospitalized the works. And, um, you know, along with that comes body dysmorphia and all of those really dark places. Um, I did recover from that and I'm in recovery from that. And I say in recovery because I feel like those kind of things, eating disorders, are just like any other addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction. I think that you are in recovery, but you have to maintain and keep your keep a check on it for the rest of your life. It's a it's something that you will always have in the back of your mind. Um, so fast forward, 
I got married, I had two beautiful children, and then I got really, really heavy. So you can see the underlying theme here is just a really unhealthy relationship with food. Um, and when I say really heavy, I mean like I got up to 220 pounds, and that's when I met Corey. And like I said, it changed my life, and with him, I lost 88 pounds, and I discovered what is truly my passion now, which is lifting. Um, when he first gave me my, my first training program, there was no cardio on it, and I did not understand that because I was the cardio bunny. I was the one that, you know, we've all, you know, you got to do you know, to lose the weight, and I was intimidated, and I was terrified. I didn't want to go in that scary room with all the people lifting the big weights, um, and now it's my happy place. It's my second home, and uh, I lifted that first weight, and I never looked back, and that was the beginning of a whole new life for me. So now, really, my hope is to help other people. I love helping other people avoid the mistakes that I made um, with body image and with nutrition and, you know, anything I can do to just avoid anyone else from experiencing all of the mistakes that I had to experience. I mean, wow, that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big, uh, I guess. Um, so, yeah, when where do we go from there? I mean, um, <laughs> so if we look back again at the start, was there anything in particular? Was it uh, the things around you that drove you to this behavior? Or do you think it was very much yourself? Or you know, that's a great question. Um, was it pressure from people yeah, around you? Do you think for sure? Um, you know, I was raised in a household that was a little bit dysfunctional, and uh, I think I was also raised to be, um, for lack of a better word, perfect. I mean, there was a lot of pressure to be perfect in my household, whether it was in school or how you looked. Um, it certainly wasn't maybe said outright, but there was always that understanding, and, you know... Like I said, looking back, I wasn't a chubby child, but I was told by people that to be successful, I needed to look a certain way. And um, I think especially as a female, and I'm not taking anything away from men because I do think that they struggle as well. But as a female, that hits a certain place and you internalize that and it can go down a dark place. I mean, for me, I'm imagining Colorado um as being you know a lot of attractive people am i right in thinking that you are and we're like one of the fittest places in the country but i didn't grow up here no so um but yeah right in here we're very fit we're very active there's a lot to do outside so yeah you're right that's that's the stereotype and that's accurate yeah is so is that kind of something that still gets to you do you still have to stay on top of things on top of your thoughts etc Yes and no. Um, I'm in such a different place now as far as how I look at my body and how I treat my body. Um, like I said earlier, I think that an eating disorder is never truly gone. You're just in recovery. Um, but it's nothing that I would ever put myself through again, um, nor would I you know, even entertain the idea, but, um, because I, I know better now and I have the education and I have the knowledge of what 
the right way to do things. And, um, I just don't look at my body like that anymore. I love my body and, um, it's just like this machine. I'm not a, like a little girl. I have lots of muscles and I look at my body, not as skinny anymore, but as just this powerful machine. And I love it. So when you started with Corey, what was kind of the, the hardest thing about just simply starting? Oh my gosh. Um, just fear that it would be another fail. Um, you know, cause I had tried so many things and done so many things that didn't work and you get to a point where you're just like, I just don't know anymore. I don't know how to treat my body. I don't know how to feed it. I don't know how to create what I want to create. And fortunately I had this guy who was like the patience of a saint who walked me through it and, uh, here we are today in a, in a place I never in a million years thought I'd be. Have you had previously uh, like professional therapy? Oh, for sure. When I was dealing with my eating disorder, of course, I had a lot of therapy for that, but um, not for years and years. I've been in recovery from anorexia for close to 20 years. Well, and uh, obviously you started working with Corey. Did that kind of give you a bit of a a purpose and an identity a thousand percent um you know it gave me well and when i started seeing results and like i said when i started lifting weights that like the world shifted on its axis as much as dramatic as that sounds i mean that changed everything for me because it was so empowering and it was so in fact i try to really encourage other women to lift because I think so many women are intimidated like I was and don't realize not only how much it's going to change your body, but how it's going to change your mind. I mean, you're going to look at yourself and your body in a whole new way. Yeah, this is kind of obviously why I want to be a coach and yourself is that you know fine well how much it can have such a positive um, like influence on somebody's life. Um, Absolutely. Especially when they've been somewhere as dark as yourself. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, you also start to look at what your goals are differently. You know, I always wanted to be the skinniest girl in the room, and now I just want to be the strongest. Yes, and now you, I mean, it's went full circle. Absolutely. Now, yeah, now we're trying to take our body back to a kind of an almost dangerous low body percentage, but it with the right kind of foundations and mindset, I guess. Yeah, and you know, I actually want to chat about that for a second because I'm sure there are people listening who are thinking, holy crap, this is like, she's the poster child of someone who should not be doing a contest prep. And I appreciate that and I understand that. And um, I'm very aware of what I'm embarking upon and I'm very aware of how much body fat has to be shed and but I would never do this if I didn't have someone who I knew was guiding me with nothing but my best interest and who will take me there in a very healthy way but also bring me back in a really healthy way yeah and I think that's probably where I was going to kind of uh tiptoe towards was like I've seen multiple people come off the back of contest preps having not had any issues um, and then come out of it the other end, worse off or in the long run. Right. 
and I think the fact that you've maybe had big, big major issues and you've come out of it and now you're going into contest prep with that experience, it might play in your favour because you can recognise things a little bit um, better, I guess. I think you're right. I think you're, I hope you're right. I mean, and, you know, I'm, I'm in love with the process and I'm having such a great time doing it. So as long as it stays fun and stays healthy, then I'm all in. So how long have you been uh, kind of lifting, I guess? I've been lifting for probably two years now, I guess, going on two years. Um, just finished a really long bulk, which you know, we can talk about that for a minute because talk about a mental game. That's an interesting place to go. Um, that can mess with your head quite a bit. So let's talk off season. Um, when what was what did the bulk look like? So it was a it was well okay. Um, I made it a very very clean bulk mm-hmm. to the point where Corey was like, "It's a little too clean." Like. I was eating so much just to hit my calories because I felt like it needed to be super clean. And so, um, but I was at 23, almost 2,400 calories. And um, I have just started a really aggressive mini cut and I have dropped 1,000 calories. So I'm down to 1,300. So um, big change. But it was, it, it, was, it was fun while it lasted. I struggled with it though. I didn't love the bulk and I was ready to cut. I think this is the thing with dieting, I guess, is when you are in an off season, you're sick of food, but when you are, you know, (laughs) prepping, you just want food, you know. So I think for the most part, what people can take uh, from this little snippet is, you know, bang in the middle is where you want to spend most of your life, really. Exactly. So true. So true. I mean, um, I mean, let's go back to generally the foundations of your nutrition that you have right now. Okay. So what does that look like then, uh, Shana? Like what I'm, what I'm eating and yeah, how I, 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 I guess what your, uh, your and Corey's approach is towards nutrition generally, um, not really as minute as kind of what and when you're eating, I suppose. Um, it's kind of the fundamentals we're looking at. Okay. Um, well, I count macros. That's the big thing. Um, and uh, I don't focus at all on nutrient timing, really. Um, I do practice intermittent fasting right now because um, I'm on a pretty strict deficit. Um, is that is that kind of what you're thinking? What you're yeah, yeah, to? just kind of what is the framework, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, just finished a long bulk. Now on a really aggressive mini cut for six weeks, uh, and then I will begin another bulk. Um, and my time frame is interesting because I don't have a particular date. I, I would love to say that I'm going to make it for a show in March, but for sure there's a show in, over the summer that I'm going to do. Um, so I'm shooting for March. If I'm not ready, then we'll go for August. So that kind of that kind of dictates how the rest of the season will go. I think it's better to kind of ballpark it like that instead of hanging your hat on one particular date. I think it does more harm than good, really. Yeah, and putting those time frames on it can put a lot of pressure on you mentally, too. And, you know, my big thing is 
because it's my first show, I want to put the very best package that I can on the stage and I'm willing to work as long as I need to. There's no, I mean, there's no rush. So when I'm ready, I'm ready and uh, then we'll go. So what kind of prompted you to want to compete, I guess? Well, um, you know, I became just obsessed with lifting and the more I got into it, I thought, gosh, you know, what is literally the most extreme thing I could do with this? And I thought I'll try to compete. And I messaged Corey, and I'm probably really glad it wasn't a video call because his face was probably just, oh, good God. But, um, you know, we talked a long time and about why I wanted to do it. And I think, you know what I think it really is at the end of the day is it's a that it's me finally <laughs> Sorry, say again, the, the dog kicked off in the background. <laughs> um, I think it's just, you know, that final piece for me, stepping on the stage and kind of having victory over all those years where my body was in charge of my brain, and now I'm in charge. I have created this, and I know how to eat right and I know how to train right and I'm, I want to show the whole world what I've done yeah it's more what competing kind of represents not necessarily competing in itself that's exactly it and you know what if I if I don't do well I still won because I'm stepping on that stage will be the victory for me oh definitely and this is I think why people should compete in the first place like because they genuinely want to and they love the process and experience yeah i mean if you're going to complain all the way through just don't don't do it nobody's making you do it you know so true and i don't see this as being my only show like i've become so in love with the whole process that i can see myself doing this for a while just out of curiosity shauna i know it's impolite here in britain anyway to ask a woman how old she is uh I knew you were going to ask that. That's okay. No, I'm 49, so I am starting really late, and I uh, I have no issues with that. I am uh, I'm in the best shape of my entire life. No, no, absolutely. I think that's kind of why I wanted to for people to hear this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that it's never ever too late, and that's another thing that I try to really um, emphasize to my clients is that. Don't let anybody put limitations on you because I have been all over the board and I am not a, a spring chicken and I am kicking ass. So, you know, you can do whatever you set your mind to. I think so. And, you know, like over here, you know, you've got 19, 20 year olds thinking it's they're stuck in a rut for the rest of the life. And it's like, come on. It's never too late to reinvent yourself and to do something new. I mean, I'm I'm starting like MNU with you and uh, you know once you stop learning and you stop recreating yourself you know that's when you start dying and I'm not interested in that yeah and that, this is what I'll tell my clientele that it's a continual refinement of everything you do essentially so can I ask you a question I know this is your podcast but yeah go for it so I would love to know about your experience competing um wow so <clears throat> my first ever competition i think was 2013 and i think i did that more for um acceptance of the peers around me um i was a very much a bro bodybuilder 
so it was clean eating it was fasted cardio i could only eat maybe from a menu of maybe 10 foods of maximum um so it wasn't really a great i think it was the cliche 12 week long prep um so it was you know just a, a complete cliche of everything a bro would do um yeah. you know 12 weeks out regardless of what body fat percentage you were um but um yeah and i it wasn't really a great positive place for me um for during prep you know um i'd me and my now ex-wife had separated so i kind of prepped through that um and things like that and these were like something really I don't talk about and not many people know that I have was previously married but I am kind of transparent in that way is that you know these are all learning experiences and I kind of you know it wasn't it was probably disordered my behaviors around nutrition um the next year I did another prep and I'd got onto the evidence-based side of it and I went full-blown if it fits your macros so some one year I was so bro the other year I was so far in the other direction um I was doing hit cardio because hit was in um you know and fasted cardio was stupid um <laughs> you know eating I remember like backstage and everybody was talking about the diet and you know talking about right boiled rice boiled chicken boiled broccoli and that they came to me asking about my diet and I was like oh I had a, a sausage sandwich yesterday and they were like what the fuck who's who's this guy you know because it was just so I don't know um cultured that you ate a certain way if you were a bodybuilder I mean I did I did win that competition but you know wow. no no, di no disrespect to the competition they weren't I knew I'd already won prior to going out it was like a novice division um and the first competition was just a local show. Um, and then last year, I only prepped to do a photo shoot, which is kind of the latest images people might see as spamming, where it's it was very much um, a different experience. It was kind of going in, knowing a lot more about myself. Um, so not as... Uh, and I'm not going to compare my um, experience anywhere to yours, but um, really it's about learning about myself and from my experiences as you said you know I don't I want my mess to be a message you know to people out there which I really like that saying by the way I'm totally stealing that um so, so um I, I just want uh I want to show people that they can actually get incredible shape that can um change their lives but they don't have to kind of ruin it in one respect and do all of this stupid bullshit that um is almost um pushed on them by i don't know unevidence based people in the fitness world and you know like my early experiences that was very much driven by people that you know knew one method they didn't know fundamentals or principles and there was no i guess coaching involved it was like right you have this day it's very black and white 100 percent or nothing um and i would i'll have the sort of attitude that will do that because Maybe like yourself, I'm a little bit of a, um, I don't know, an extreme person. And I think bodybuilding is a very extreme sport. So that's kind of why we may do well in it. Um, you know, it's not for everybody because it is kind of totally fully absorbing of almost everything you're doing. So 
I'd done it last year when my fiance was kind of going through pregnancy and I just thought this is a good time to get this out my system and I, I don't really plan on doing anything like this again till 2020 onwards. So you think you'll compete again in a couple of years? I don't know. I'd like to think so. Um, I'm The way I see it, my prep finished um, the day of the photo shoot. So prep starts for the next show. It doesn't matter when that show is. So the longer time between. But I look at people, for example, say 3DMJs, Jeff Albert, he's a little bit of a kind of an example that I look at and he's kind of in his, you know, probably pushing 50 plus. You know, yeah. and his physique is just crazy because he's just kept training. And the way I say it, if I keep doing what I'm doing in 20 years' time, my physique will be even better, I'd hope. I think so, too. Isn't Alberto Nunez with 3DMJ, too? He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And he's not young, either. Yeah, well, you know, Alberto, um, Jeff, you know, um, I've got Eric, of course. Um, them, them guys are, like, kind of, very much at the forefront of what we're trying to kind of get on board with as well and promote. Yeah. You know, kind of going back to what you said a minute ago um, about, you know, us being evidence-based and how wanting to share with our clients that the quick fix is not the way to go. I think it's unfortunate because what's in everybody's face in media and social media is, is the quick fix. It's the, it's the shake, it's the Weight Watchers, it's the world where you guys are. Um, and those make me crazy. And I am not afraid to say that to my clients and on social media and anywhere that, you know, my big mantra is if you have to do unsustainable things to get results, the results will be unsustainable. And that's just very simple. I mean, there's no quick fix. And if people that tell you that they have that quick fix are just lying. I mean, it's a journey, sometimes a long one, sometimes a really challenging one. Um, but it's never going to last if you don't learn how to eat and treat your body for a lifetime. Uh, I think that's kind of the hardest thing about maybe our roles is like creating that buy-in for people. Yeah. Because they want the quick fix. They don't want to hear that this is going to take a long time. You know, and working with clients, it's I understand their frustrations, especially when they see maybe a physique like mine. They haven't seen the years of commitment put towards it, and they expect it to happen in four to eight weeks. Yeah. I want to lose 30 pounds by Christmas. I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. God. Like, oh, Lord. Okay. We'll just oh, no. take off a limb. <laughs> exactly exactly it's it's scary and i mean this is obviously why we are doing the course as well it and why we are doing the podcast why we do our posts and i think a lot more people need to be this saying the same thing and i've mentioned this previously on the podcast like it might seem like your world is just full of other evidence-based practitioners whereas these normal general populations world just isn't it's full of shit yeah it's very true and you know i try to be super transparent on my social media um as far as where i've been and where i am now because i don't want anybody to look at me and think that i just have it easy and that i don't have to work for the physique i have now that i have been 
heavy and I have changed that completely. And so, you know, social media, uh, we could talk about that today. I mean, that's, that makes people crazy. I think, I think it's a great fun place. I think it could be a really dark hole too. Oh, definitely. I'm very much, um, about filtering your social media. Yeah. Well, and people need to understand that the people that they admire and follow don't necessarily like the people that they want to emulate or look like probably don't even look like that. Um, or at least don't all the time, you know, that might've been one moment in time at a show or in a photo shoot or, you know, what do they look like every day? And you know, there's, there's drugs, there's Photoshop, there's everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is what I'll try and obviously, you know, get people to look at is, you know, their immediate um, circle, I guess, and what they're subjecting themselves to every day. And social media is something where people will spend literally hours just scrolling. And, you know, I think in, say, for example, Instagram, that search function is personally something I never go on. But, you know, that's something that habitually I will recommend people don't go on. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent. It's addicting. Um, yeah. Filtering it is, is really important. And, and just knowing like, you know, when we first started MNU, that was one of the first things that they really drove home to us was being really selective about who you choose to follow and who you choose to listen to. And, and are they evidence-based or are they zealots? You know, so looking at your kind of, how do you now manage your thoughts, would you say? Like, how do you manage, I don't know, your emotions as well, I guess? Uh, in what context? Like, explain more. I'm not sure I understand. Would you say, because how do you kind of keep positive these days? I mean, is you'll spend time on social media, you'll spend time, you know, I don't know, yeah. um, with people and is it very much different to what it previously was like? I mean, has uh, Corey helped cultivate this as well? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I, uh, I stay pot. Well, I, I try to limit my social media. I mean, I get on there, um, you know, I have very, um, set times. Like I really actually set times where I'm like, okay, for an hour, in the evenings, I look at my Instagram and this, that, and the other, but you can, you can spend all day like you just talked about. Um, and I also really filtered it down. I used to have, oh my gosh, you would scroll through my Instagram and you would think this girl is, what is, she? I mean, it, it was all women in bikinis posing or lifting. <laughs> and, yes. you know, and you know, there's some good to that like I was trying to be inspired but then at the end of the day I'm like is this inspiring me or is that just making me feel like shit because these are people that are probably a pros and b have been training for decades you know and so I really whittled that down to a few um few women my age who are just kicking ass and doing it the right way um, and, and just got rid of all of the other extraneous stuff that was maybe just not healthy mentally. And, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday about, you know, when we were going to talk today and about the six mantras of health that we were talking about. And it really is true that you can be spot on physically 
But if something else is out of whack, you know, the psychological or the, the social or something, it doesn't matter. They all have to be in synchronicity or you're just off. You know, it's just not enough to be physically perfect. Yeah, I think when we talk about balance, I think we want to look at that as a kind of a big picture as well. Because, you know, when you are to the tail ends of contest prep, your life will not be balanced. But you kind of understand this is a short term thing, whereas people expect to live this way forever. Yep. I think it's just having that level of maturity there and experience. I agree, one hundred percent. Sorry, go ahead. No, I just said I agree with you one hundred percent. I think as well having a coach there, and um, even being a coach, if I prep again, I probably will have somebody there just to kind of take that little bit of pressure off and just offer a little bit objectivity. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't do it, and I've said this to him. I would not do it without him. In fact, there was a there was a point in the middle of it was about three months ago now more like six months ago he finally said he put me on put me on a diet break and he stopped the workouts because I was just going too hard and he could see mentally that I was really exhausted and in a bad place and I didn't see it and so I was really thankful and I fought it I was like nope I don't want to I don't want to stop I don't want to go on a diet break I'm you know and he really forced the issue, and and I came out on the other side so much better mentally and, and stronger. And so I think a coach is invaluable. I really do. Yeah, and that's something I've just kind of done with one of my clients recently as well was to kind of go, right, you know, you, you notice these signs and symptoms that you're like, right, I think this is going a little bit mentally too far. Let's pull it back. Let's catch our breath before we do the next thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, I had a thought and I lost it, but yeah, I mean, it's just, oh, I know what it was. I have a client who, uh, I I don't know if you saw, I posted this in the mentoring lab about orthorexia, which is, you know, eating clean to a fault. And I think that it's an interesting, I don't know where you draw the line on that because for some people, you know, their path is truly just to eat clean and then, there are people that I like this client of mine that I have great concerns that it's an obsession obsession. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very great area when we're working with people's nutrition because, you know, even before MNU, but within MNU, it's kind of, there is their initial thing is saying do no harm. Yeah. And it's obviously when you, you don't know how somebody's going to act. Um, when when you start kind of maybe making these changes because you you know you make subtle changes to their nutrition you affect sometimes their psychology or you know the way they they act off the back of these changes and sometimes they can go a little bit too far down the rabbit hole I guess yeah that's like you said though it's just it's just noticing that and maybe helping them pull back a little bit you know what I do a lot personally um, especially in the off season is you know I call it semi tracking you know and you know having just a general idea of what I'm doing maybe tracking what I can but for example I know food I know calories you know portion controls and a lot of habit based stuff and kind of amalgamating this intuition with accuracy as well yeah do you count macros um like yes 
I'm, I'm more kind of protein and calories at the minute with a bit more of an emphasis on carbohydrates um, because mm. we'll probably talk about um, this week's MNU and, you know, metabolic flexibility and all that jazz. But, um, okay. yeah, I would I like to kind of show a little bit of transparency with my clients. So if they go on my food diary, they can tend to kind of look where I've maybe used the quick add function in my fitness pal and just guesstimated a a calorie amount for maybe the meal I'm going out and enjoying. But I employ like quite a few strategies like time restricted feeding and calorie cycling. And, you know, these are just names, but, you know, eating different amounts on different days at certain times within the context of what I'm trying to achieve, which is at the minute a slight calorie surplus because I'm trying to gain a little bit of mass. Yeah, I think that's what, I think MNU has kind of opened my eyes to because I have been a macro counter for so long and that is what I have tended to use um, with clients as well. And I'm learning that that is just not for everybody and that there are all kinds of ways that people will respond. And, you know, it's just finding what works for the individual. Yeah, I'm a big fan of just keeping a log initially um, and I think having that education process you know even if it is for a short term just so people can you know see values next to food and understand food a little bit more whether it's a, a long-term strategy for them to always be kind of plugged into the phone I, I don't think it's a very um, the way I see it personally I've got a very specific you know outcome I want from my nutrition therefore it's going to re- have a slightly more specific uh, requirement for me to track, but that's something I'm okay with. It doesn't send us crazy. Yeah, and same with me. I mean, I don't mind that because I'm a very methodical person and I've got goals that I need to achieve, but for the average person who just wants to get healthier, that's not maybe sustainable, and they also become quite overwhelmed, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's just, you know, you have to take things as they come you know and when you're working with people I guess it's just you don't necessarily have a generic approach and I'll tell clients from the off I'm like I don't know what's going to happen I don't know who they are I don't know what how this process is going to evolve how quick it'll go how slow it'll go you know it's so different but a lot of people don't want to hear that they want right this is my problem I want the answer bang and it's like well I can't tell you that yeah yeah, just like the quick fix, we want to know what we want to know what's wrong, and we want it fixed tomorrow. Definitely. So yeah, you you're on a mini cut at the minute, so I don't know if people want to know kind of what is a mini cut. This is a leading question, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you want to explain uh, what your mini cut is and what you're doing it for. So my mini cut is so like I said, it just came off of a, a pretty long bulk. And now I'm on a mini cut for a couple of reasons um, to kind of see, to take some of the body fat off because obviously in a bulk, you're trying to add muscle, but with that is going to come some body fat. That's just part of the, part of the process. So now we're stripping off that body fat to see what the work has done, what's underneath that body fat. And also to a certain extent, it's like a, it's like a diet break on a diet. I don't know how else to explain that, but it's to get my head in the right place to start another bulk 
at Christmas um, because I tend to struggle. I think I said this before. I struggle more with the bulk than the cut mentally. Um, it's hard for me to watch weight going on, even though I know it's it's for the greater good. Um, so we take this break to peel off some of the body fat. Like I said, it's about six weeks. It's pretty aggressive. I took off uh, a thousand calories from my bulk and um, then my head will be ready to go for another one right before Christmas. Yeah. And I, I want to stress there's a big difference between aggressive dieting and crash dieting. Oh, a thousand percent. And it's generally the mindset as well. That I think is the most important thing. Well, and I mean, it's like, this is, you know, for, this is all part of prep, in my opinion. I know it's off season, but it's all part of the prep. Whereas yeah. I would I don't want anyone to think this is just how we, what things we prescribe for our clients, just normal clients. Yeah, I think, you know, that it's something that I'll tend to do and that's something I've just done a, a four-week kind of mini, mini cut, I guess, which is, you know, I tend to do a 12-week block and then a, a four-week strength cycle and I pair that with quite a lowish calorie um, intake just to kind of strip away any body fat, you know, me training isn't massively strenuous so i don't need the calories to recover from that it's just quite easy really yeah whereas i think like yourself you mentioned earlier you've got a bit of a background of when you are trying to lose fat you feel you need to be doing things like cardio or your training volume needs to be massively high where right. it, where it really doesn't you know my training volume was very low um, and it was just you know my steps are high anyway generally because of the dog etc in my work but um you know it, it just shows that it's nutrition that's the driving influencer yeah it is and it's it's interesting that you talked about that because i was just having a chat with my coach because like my personality is just to always push things and my training volume right now is really high and um i asked him the other day i'm like can we do more can we do more i'm always asking if we can do more and you know, we had to talk about junk volume and how, you know, after a while, that more is not better, you know, and that, that is in every, I think that applies to everything. That's your, your nutrition, your training, um, moderation, you know, do what you need to do. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to go to the extreme. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm programming for people, they're like, is that it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but I want you to do it really well. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you're doing a ton, but your form or something is shit, well, then we're not accomplishing anything. Yeah, and this is the thing with my, for example, my 12-week blocks, people ask generally about your diet and your, the training. They're trying to get little kind of sound bites um, so they can apply it to theirs because they maybe see an element of success in what you do. And I'm just like, for 12 weeks, I literally do the same movements. I do a three-week um kind of three weeks then one week deload three weeks one week deload three weeks one week deload but with the progressive overload um in mind over the entire um three mesocycles of training and people are like what you don't change things up and i'm like well you don't re i don't really need to mm -mm. yeah and that was interesting to me too i do a four weeks on then a, my fifth week is a deload and uh I haven't changed things in forever. And I, I asked them, I'm like, gosh, why, you know, it's always the same, but that's what gets results. You know, you don't have to make it complicated. 
Yeah. How was your? Uh, how were you when you went into your first day, Lord? I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I hated it. And I, you know, there's, I, I, I don't hate it anymore just because by that fifth week, my body is just so ready for it. But it's just like the first diet break. You're like, oh, why yeah. do I even exist? Why am I even going to the gym to do this? But yeah. I've, I've embraced it now. I, I love a day, Lord. I think like I can put my foot down for three weeks and, uh, it's a kind of welcome break. I, I usually train five days per week, push, pull, legs, upper, lower. And then on a day load, I might train three, four days that week. Same movements, much less volume, much less intensity. And I just see it as a, a nice, easy, breezy week. Well, and I like it because I've started to see then that that following week, when you start a new mesocycle, you're like stronger. Your body's like, thanks for the break. Let's go. So it's it's necessary. Definitely. And I think this is kind of what, again, Mac Nutrition University, from a nutritional perspective, we're talking about training now, but we should apply this, I don't know, uh, perspective to all aspects of life is about big picture thinking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Good. And, and it's great that, you know, although you are planning on competing in March and next summer, it's like, right, this is almost... We know where we are right now. And this is what I think is really important is behind anyone is uh, creating a strong foundation to move from. A strong foundation and a healthy foundation and a healthy mindset. Excellent. I mean, let's talk about how you kind of got into um, MNU. What sort of led you to that? Okay. Um, so my coach is actually an MNU grad. So that was I, I big. He's, he's a big a fan of it. And he's also really good friends with Martin, Martin McDonald. Um, and so I had seen them interact and honestly, nutrition, being a nutritionist, uh, was really not on my radar, but the more I got into it and the more passionate I became about it. And I found that I just wanted to learn more and more. Um, I started to entertain the idea and then I started to look into universities around the area. Maybe I should just go back to a university here. Um, but I talked to Corey, and uh, he had such great things to say about MNU. And then I started to follow Martin, and I started to see more how, just how well-respected in the industry he is and what an influencer he is in the best way. When I say influencer, I mean, you can be an influencer in a negative way, and he is just the opposite. Um, and it just seemed like the perfect fit. And so I, I got in touch with him and, and just sort of struck up a small friendship with him. And, um, yeah, the rest is history. I, I got in and it's exceeded every expectation. I don't know how you're feeling, but it's just been such a great experience. No, at the same time, um, for like, I think I was bought in well before I actually physically bought in, you know, um, and that's. The, you know, the, the amount of positive feedback from all of the coaches that have previously done the uh, the qualification. And for me, it's just kind of something to say, yep, this guy legitimately knows his shit. And it's probably the most respected nutrition course in the world within our industry, I'd say. I agree. And, and you know, the first time I got into the mentoring lab um, and saw the people that were commenting, you know, like, 
Dr. Nadolsky and Eric Helms and James Krieger. And just, I was like, holy shit, these are like, these are legit people. And so, you know, it's just, I feel really privileged to be a part of it. Yeah. And I'm the same. And I don't feel intimidated reaching out in that group, you know, and putting things that maybe are simple or maybe even stupid and they don't get kind of like judged or criticized negatively. I agree 100%. I mean, my first post, I was intimidated. In fact, fun fact for you, I actually sent the post to Martin. I was like, do you think this is worthy of the mentoring lab? Because I was so intimidated. But now it's like everyone is so supportive and so knowledgeable. And if they don't know, then they figure out or they they tag someone that they think will know. Yeah, and that's what I like about it. It's a kind of, it's a strong community of, you know, like-minded people that I think's missing for evidence-based practitioners because we're very much the minority I think it's so true and I think like I know you had Danny on recently and I told him that you know we got to stick together because it's I think it's important to get our message out there the 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 quacks the gimps as martin calls them get a, they're very loud and they get a lot of attention and so i think we need to be equally loud and shouting our word you know about the right way to do it the healthy way to do it the evidence-based way wow that's a that's a sound bite right there kind of commercial didn't it it did wow i think we need to get that recorded and like play it back multiple times but I, I totally agree and I think you know people need to stop assuming because somebody does have a large following or um, has success in other areas that they know what they're talking about it's very true I mean a large following doesn't mean you know anything no no I mean you know for example Kim Kardashian talks, <sighs> talks about nutrition and you know she's got millions of followers and it's kind of these people are so easily led by these, you know, these people. Yeah. And I think that we, our message is just not sexy. And so I, you know, I, I don't care. We're, we just got to keep doing it. And this is what I, you know, somebody I, I put in a, on an Instagram post, it was a highlighted kind of couple of, uh, couple of lines from a book talking about, you know, I don't know, a sense of purpose being the kind of foundation to being successful and I think you know you need to act successful regardless as if you're truly successful or not yet you know how are you going to act differently when you are successful um, so for me I think you know playing the role is massively important and presenting information that you feel is going to add value to people's lives and if if you've added value to at least one person's life I think you know your job's done there I think you do a great job on social media um your posts are always really spot on and you're you're a good example I think I'd like to think so and I think you know I'm happy to um I'm happy to share my experiences and my mistakes and my uh you know my perspective on nutrition and training and quite often a lot of what I don't talk what I talk about isn't necessarily about nutrition or training in itself directly no and you know also I want to commend you on um you know putting a lot more females on your podcast um and because I think there's a lot of 
emphasis on men competing and bodybuilding. And I think that's amazing. I think it's a challenge for no matter whether you're male or female, but there's a lot of women out there doing it. And I think there's an absence of information. Um, and so I know you're trying to get more females on. And I think that's fantastic. I think you're the third in a row, Shana. What? I know. I saw that. Was it Shannon and then Anna and then me? Yeah. So I did three lads in a row. So I thought, you know, I'll get three lasses in a row and then I'll go back to the hopefully the alternate uh, routine I had in mind. But, you know, like this podcast to a certain degree has evolved in a in a great way that I'm just getting people on. And I, and I think it's people that are in the trenches um, that are going to help other people you know, take a lot from them, their experiences and help them kind of piece together maybe parts of the jigsaw they're struggling with. It's all well and good. You know, you look at somebody else's podcast, I don't know, let's say Danny Lennon's, which is fantastic. But these guys are like really the rock and roll stars of the fitness industry and they're very popular. But I think everybody's got a voice and a story that people can learn from in my eyes. Well, and hopefully more relatable, like, for example, myself, I mean, hopefully, you know, I'm nothing special, but I am, you know, just doing, you know, doing whatever it takes. And so I hope that other women my age can hear it and relate and be like, well, if she can do it, maybe I can do it. Yeah. And I think, I think from, um, I will literally direct people to this podcast and be, listen, you think you've, you've got it bad. You know, listen, listen to this person's journey, you know, and I've had like even my very first episode back when it was called the Forget the Fad podcast, which ironically sounded pretty faddy. Um, I had a, <laughs> I had a lady who um, had lost 13 stone. So, you know, like a client and we're talking about that. She went through surgeries and all of this. And it's just a normal person that really normal people are going to have more in common with than these kind of people that are on the, the top of the mountain, I guess. Yeah. And like you said, I have mad respect for them and I love listening to those too, but, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not a PhD and I'm not a celebrity as far as in the fitness world. So, um, it's hard to relate. It's hard to ever think that you could do what they're doing. No, I think one of the big things for me within this industry was accepting, what I wasn't you know like I'm not a PhD I'm not a scientist I can't you know read scientific papers and dissect them like other people can but it's more focusing on well what can I do what am I good at I think you and I are similar in that our biggest passion is just helping others yeah and I think everybody probably on the course and listening to this are similar and I think this is a good opportunity, this podcast, to get everybody on. And, you know, this is another opportunity for me to say to people, please, you know, give me a message. Let us know that you're interested. We want to hear your background and your story. And um, it's an opportunity for you to put your voice out like Shana here. Well, you're doing a great job. I love your podcast. Wow. Thank you very much. That That is great. Lovely to hear. It is really nice. Um, but I think at the same time, I'm not... One of these who, I don't know if you're the same, who takes compliments very well. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it must be, I must be doing something lucky or something. It's quite hard to kind of, you know, accept that you are actually doing a half decent job. But I think that's in one respect what kind of makes us carry on trying to 
get better as well. Absolutely. That's still nice to hear. Oh, brilliant. It's beautiful to hear. I'll smile on my face if you could see us, Shauna. If, if, if your camera wasn't sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Technical issues. Um, I mean, well, we're on 55 minutes. That's fine. Uh, let's talk about um, this week's MNU and then we'll start wrapping it up a little bit. So it's been talking about energy balance. Any major surprises this week? No, not really. I mean, I think that the biggest thing is, is um, how do I put this? It is educating clients on energy balance and how it really is that simple. You know, Martin talked about in the lecture how he, he, he spent, what was it, an hour trying to explain it to a PhD and he just didn't get it. And he's like, you're overcomplicating it. It's It literally is that simple. And um, I think people do overcomplicate it. And uh, it, it's just a matter of, you know, what you put in versus what you put out. Well, pretty much. I mean, we had to create an infographic um and you know personally i think these infographics are going to be huge on the internet um but um you know but they are a good way of like kind of taking relatively complicated process um things uh, i guess and you know simplifying them for easy digestion you know excuse the nutrition pun (laughs) yeah i agree 100 percent um you know did you were there were there any surprises in this lecture for you? Um, not necessarily. Like this kind of, I think last week was still something that I'm like, you know, the digestive and endocrine system. Something I've went back to this week just to kind of refine that a little bit. But you know, this week was kind of a a, a nice week, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And then we're gonna get into the macronutrients. I think starting next week, which will be great. Yeah. So I mean, looking at your diet at the moment is that um with a heavy emphasis on protein well when i was bulking the it was a pretty heavy it was a very heavy emphasis on carbs um now it is definitely more protein my fat is really low and my carbs are pretty average i was at 280 grams of carbs during my bulk and i've dropped down to i want to say 140 how far at, how far you in your mini cut Oh, literally, I started it yesterday. Right. So it's uh, like literally last night I was laying in bed and I'm like, oh, hunger, my old friend. There you are. <laughs> I felt you in a while. <laughs> and do, you, do you get any negative sort of, I don't know, overwhelming feelings getting that not at, feeling back? Not, not now. I really don't. Brilliant. I'm really, I'm really happy to be cutting again. In fact, I messaged my coach and I said the timing for this is so perfect because – I woke up this morning really ready for a new phase, ready to hit this hard, and then I think I'll be in a great mindset at the end of December to start bulking again. Yeah, and I think the important thing with anybody is that, you know, if the, they are committing to a mini cut and, for example, you know, things aren't going right, there's always little steps backwards you can take. It doesn't have to be an on-off scenario right and i think i think that's one thing that i've kind of learned to accept with myself is you know if things aren't going to plan you can quite easily change things instead of like having to see it through or quit oh i think it's super important to to tweak it as you go and also 
you know, I've heard a lot of people say, don't be afraid to, and this has never entered my mind, but to not be afraid to pull the plug on a prep if things are just really going awry, you know, if relationships are suffering or, you know, it, it, you just always have to keep it in check. Yeah, I mean, like you said, you're a mom of two, which are teenagers, did you say? Yes, I have, a, my daughter's turning 13 this week and my son will be 16 next month. Brilliant. And I think that's why another reason I'm waiting until, you know, 2020 onwards. My my son's 14 month old at the recording of this podcast. So I don't I know how hard prep got last year just doing the photo shoot, but I still try it like I was going to go on stage. Um, so I just kind of I don't want to I don't want that to um, take anything away from this time with him. But when he's a little bit more independent, let's say and in school or nursery I can kind of prioritize um that a little bit more well and can I just say your son is about as adorable as they come oh he's amazing he is a tank like he looks like he already lifts yeah he's he's Frank the Tank he's called Frankie so we'll call him Frank the Tank I love it he's so cute yeah it's brilliant I've warned my family in all seriousness that what's coming, um, you know, it's going to be a struggle for everybody, but I'm going to do my best to not make them necessarily pay for the choices that I'm making right now and that it's temporary. Absolutely. I think, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit selfish, um, but you've, you've had the conversation and hopefully, you know, they're going to understand why, you know, mom's a little bit, um you know short and cranky yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah i mean um yeah. they're so excited and they love watching it and they're they think i'm just as cool as they come for doing this so they're they're they know what's up and they're they're happy for me are there a lot of shows kind of around where you are there actually are it's uh so i'm i live in a suburb of denver which is a pretty big city and uh we're very fortunate to have uh, quite a few shows yeah and big shows mpc shows is that the kind of uh, federation you're going to be jumping in yes yes in what category yeah i knew that was your next question um my my hope and my goal is figure that is how i see myself and that is what i'm working for uh i'm not completely ruling out bikini um it's just going to depend on how my body responds but right now if you were to ask me i would say figure brill i mean i'm i'm excited to kind of see the process especially no and this is why i like following for example people that i know on instagram you know like um all these people out there that just i don't know anything about them whereas now i kind of feel like i know shana a bit more i can actually yeah. kind of get behind you knowing where you've come from a little bit absolutely i agree 100 percent. yeah yeah Brilliant. I mean, I've had an absolute kind of uh, a blast today. It's been a very interesting conversation. Is there anything that you want, um, anything you want to kind of talk about? Or are you relatively happy with what we've went over there? I think it was a great podcast. I had a great time and um, it was just like chatting with a friend. So it was it was super fun. Well, definitely. And I can't wait to um, meet you and everybody else, hopefully at graduation. Fingers crossed we all <laughs> yeah but before i let you go um is anywhere people can kind of find a little bit more about you shana follow your journey absolutely you can follow me on instagram that is where i put most of my fitness and my journey to the stage that is shauna 
underscore Ray underscore Tracy, um, S-H-A-N-A underscore R-A-E underscore T-R-A-C-Y. And you can also find me on Facebook at Shauna Nelson Tracy. Well, thank you very much, Shauna. Um, and I think everybody will have enjoyed that. Um, again, any MNU students that are listening, just give us a kind of message over Instagram or Facebook um, and we'll kind of organize something. I'll keep you on the line once we've finished recording here and I'll uh, just say goodbye. But one last time, thank you very much, Shana. Thank you so much. This was a great time. I appreciate you having me. Thank you.